With the NFL draft behind us, it is time to turn the page to the 2023 regular season. Today on Move the Line, we're going to touch briefly on the draft, on uh, the overall betting environment that we had this year. And then we're going to shift to a few noteworthy win totals that have piqued our interest. So let's dig in. Hello and welcome to Move Line. I'm Ryan Noonan, joined here, as always, by Connor Allen. Connor, uh, making an annual tradition, uh, going to the draft every year. How was your time in uh, in Kansas City and your draft experience? Uh, the PG version, probably. Yeah, it was uh, really good. Uh, I got to hang out with Dalton, Cates, and hang out with uh, Dane, probably one of the biggest draft betters that I've ever met. Uh, I think overall, it was a fine draft. Uh, I mean, from our standpoint, I think it could have gone better for sure, but you know, I thought it was all right. And otherwise, uh, you know, probably had a little bit too much to drink, uh, you know, in Kansas City on the draft night accordingly with how the draft planned out. But otherwise, it was a lot of fun. Excited to, you know, talk some ball here and get right back at it. I'll move the line. Are you going to Detroit next season? It's in Detroit. We looked that up. I think that might be a no. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I've never on the Uncle K's couch. Yeah, I think Kanish would welcome us into his trailer. Uh, but I don't know if there's enough room. I mean, like, is there like a, enough room on the floor of the trailer? But I Honestly, I'm not sure. I, I don't think so, though. Detroit seems kind of sus. He can drive that thing around, though, so he can put it in a parking lot somewhere we can camp out, which would be really nice. So, all right. Well, uh, we, you know, typically it's a familiar face, but uh, with the draft now behind us, we're shifting on the third chair here. I move the line. This is a familiar name and face to those subscribers here at Four for Four. Uh, this is a gentleman that, uh, you not only be able to read his content and chat with him in Discord this season, he's also having a permanent spot here on Move the Line this season. It is Sharp Clark. Clark, my friends, welcome. Excited to get to talk to you every week. How are we doing? Yeah, I'm super excited to be part of this. Uh, I've been looking forward to this. I, I don't really participate as much in the draft process, so this is when you know things really get going for me, um, and I'm super excited to talk. We're, we're only four months out, you know, four months till kickoff, so you know that, that flies by. Uh, let's, let's, get, let's get going. Yeah, and so shout out to at the top. Want to give uh, Scott Smith some love. Scott was fantastic to have on during the draft process. Uh, obviously, very plugged in and knowledgeable there. He was a great resource for us during that, and uh, hopefully, it's something that we can continue that relationship. Scott's still plugging along uh, with MMA content for us at four four. But yeah, Scott's a stud. Finished uh, right inside the right, just around the top ten uh, in mock draft accuracy. Our boy Daigle also finished uh, in the top three there. So shout out to those guys for the fantastic work that they did but uh yeah really 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 excited to uh to have clark on so we're gonna have at least one new show here every week leading up to the start of the season lots of uh, other original content on the four for four bets youtube page so please subscribe if you'd like to support the free content uh, in any way thumbs up on the video comment goes a long way in helping us uh jump in the chat let us know what your favorite win total bet is right now uh we'd love to hear about it uh still available obviously in podcast form as well so subscribe there too so you don't miss a show. We really, really appreciate that. Uh, Connor, I'm going to start with you. A few uh, thoughts on the draft before we jump into some win totals. Obviously, the betting market this year was a little bit different than we were expecting, but uh, talk to me about the draft a little bit. Yeah, I think the draft really shifted here at the top with the Texans taking C.J. Stroud going second. And I think that it's really important to hit on that I still feel good that will that C.J. Stroud was not the top quarterback on their board and that uh, that came from McNair. Uh, you know, kind of like phoning one in that they needed to take him. Uh, and so when that happened, I think that they had the understanding that they were going to be able to trade up to number three as well. So I've seen many takes about how that whole process was a little bit messy and how like, well, why did they trade up so much for number three? From their standpoint, if they were going to do both, I kind of understand it. But the whole concept of doing both, I think just kind of misses the boat on what they could have gotten at 12 if they'd stayed the draft capital that they gave up to get up to three, which is like shaping up to be, you know, right, right now a top two pick, but I would guess probably a top 10 pick when it's all said and done either way, a ton to give up here for a guy that potentially they didn't even like that much a quarterback and a guy who's not an elite talent uh, and Will Anderson. So there's a lot of issues here with this Texans team. And then obviously from there, I think there were some other big, you know, draft things to talk about specifically the lions, which, you know, are a team that, added talent as I think both you guys would agree with, but the opportunity cost that they, you know, had of drafting Jameer Gibbs at 12 and Jack Campbell, you know, a linebacker at 18 was pretty significant relative to some other opportunities there that they had. I mean, 
I'm playing on a couple of scenarios in my head. One of the biggest ones is like, what if they drafted Tyree Wilson and Deontay Banks or Jalen Carter and uh, Deontay Banks or even Klaja Kansi at 18 instead? Uh, there are so many different ways that they could have gone about this. That I think got players at like premium positions. Instead, they pick two guys who will help, but are just not a premium position. So that's kind of where I'm at. I thought that was surprising. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. On to this year, you know, it's the draft is over with. Maybe on to some NBA draft stuff as well in the 4-4 Discord. But yeah, those are some of the points I wanted to talk on there too, is that the Texans, that's an egregious trade to give up that much. And I've heard people want to kind of package it to say like, well, no, it's they really, if you think of it as that they were trading up for CJ Stroud, it's less egregious, which is like, I guess maybe true, but they didn't trade up for CJ Stroud. They already drafted CJ Stroud. It was, they had take lock on a player and then they wanted to draft Will Anderson. So they were married to the idea that they had to leave the draft with Will Anderson and basically gave up four first rounders almost to make that happen in terms of where, you know, those, those trades at the 33rd pick is just right outside that uh, Arizona did a great job, fleece them to do so. Uh, Arizona is going to be a spot next year where they're, you know, a, pretty, a better draft top to bottom and, and could have what amounts to be the number one pick from the Texans. Like, and again, like the Texans could have a better season, but thinking that that's going to be outside the top 10 is probably a stretch. Uh, and knowing that the Cardinals are going to be up for a tough year too, like, gosh, really, really bad trade for the Texans. And in the same division, I think the Colts had a home run draft uh, as well. Just, just basically betting on athletes. Um, I love the Anthony Richardson trade. I'm sure we'll have a lot of discourse around that all season long leading up to it. Uh, I think the mindset of all four of the quarterbacks in the top had questions, shoot for the sky and get the guy that has absolute ceiling home run potential uh, i think is a really good process so i really i like that and then there's some other guys that i really like in this draft josh downs should have been drafted way earlier they were able to add him fits really nicely with what michael uh, Pittman does what alec pierce does i love uh julius brents at corner he six three and has like top three percent like shuttle and three cone stuff based on like guys that are like five, eight, he's doing it at six, three. I think he's going to be a baller in this league. Will Mallory tight end late in that draft. I just really like what the Colts did betting on athletic talents. And uh, yeah, I think that they're in a better position for the future. I don't know that they're going to be players this year at all. Anthony Richardson is going to be a, definitely a question mark for sure in the short term, but I don't know. I, I'm, I'm excited about watching him play football. Uh, Clark, I know you're not in the weeds on some of this stuff as much as yeah, I my my approach on the draft is we we analyze it so much and we come away with these really concrete opinions on this was a bad pick, this was a bad process. And what ends up happening in reality is there's so much variance and unknown with these players and the fit and how they play in the NFL. We won't really know who who will ha who had a good draft until, you know, at the end of the season or maybe even later. Like last year the Seahawks killed it in the draft, but we didn't know that at the time. Their, their late round picks ended up being, you know, premium starters in, in year one. So um, I, I, I tend to hold off on harsh opinions. What we do get from the draft is signals of where the team is headed. So the Texans win total went up and the Cardinals win total went down for this year after the draft because the Cardinals signaled, look, we're fine packing it in this year and picking it up next year. And the Texans signaled the opposite. They're apparently all in right now. <laughs> Um, which is inadvisable, but also does move the win total up for this season. So that that's kind of my perspective on the draft. Yeah. So let's turn the page. Um, before we do, I want to remind you it's a great time to scoop up a betting subscription to four for four. A betting sub is going to secure access to everything on our site, everything that you're going to need to be profitable this season, articles, tools, rankings, projections. If you're playing DFS, high stakes, redraft, we have all the best ball tools and content that you could ever Imagine, I think the subscriber-only Discord is really the crown jewel of the subscription. All of our staff bets are posted there. We have channels for every sport. If you dabble in any of the pick'em sites, like Prize Picks, Underdog, No House Advantage, or Vivid Picks, uh, we have channels and posted plays there as well. Head over to 444.com slash plans uh, to check that out. If you're considering and you want to get in cheap, uh, we got a great deal for you. you go to the App Store, download Vivid Picks. Uh, if you're not familiar with Vivid, they're a parlay pick'em site like some of the other similar ones that are out there in the space. You can use our promo code 444BET when you sign up. They're going to match your first deposit all the way up to 200 bucks. But all you need to do is deposit $5 and you get access to our betting subscription for three months. Just five bucks. It's going to get you most of our future stuff. As I mentioned, everything else on the site. If you're doing redraft stuff, 
Um, again, the full year is probably where you need to go. But again, Vivid Picks, promo code 444BET, $5 deposit. You'll get an email within 24 hours to let you know how to access that for basically the rest of the summer. An absolutely great deal. All right, gents, win totals a few weeks away from the official schedule release. We know who these teams are playing, though. Um, most shops had win totals posted before the draft. Uh, we've already fired at a few in our Discord, but uh, today we want to dig in to a few each uh, to get your thoughts based on the updated prices in the space. And uh, Clark, I'm going to start with you. You've been uh, digging into this, and we've been looking into these draft prospects and firing draft bets, and you've still been in there. Uh, in the streets, firing at divisions and win totals, and you gotta absolutely love it. So uh, you get the floor first today. Yeah, sure. So let's let's start with the Chargers. This number is not right. They're they're listed at nine and a half wins. Up until I don't know if it was today or yesterday, you could have got minus one hundred five on the over at FanDuel. It's, that's moved to one fifteen, but you can still get minus one ten at, at, at most shops. The Chargers are a really good team, um, and I think people miss the context of what happened last season. One of the most underrated injury impacts that happens game to game is when there's a cluster injury in the offensive line or wide receivers. Because what happens is not only are you miss so in the receivers, let's take the receivers first. Not only are you missing your top receiver, but you're missing another receiver. So now you've got a guy who's usually a slot receiver or a backup receiver lining up against the number one cornerback. That takes that option away. And now you've got like fourth string receivers on the other side, or you're moving guys around, completely messes up the entire offense. And with the offensive line, it's a weak link system. So when you're missing one guy, you can kind of, you know, chip, chip or help or, you know, set up things to kind of cover that one gap. When you have two guys down, like the Chargers did for much of last year, you're you're just scrambling every play. And so with those combined, there, there were multiple games where the Chargers were missing multiple linemen and multiple receivers. And they still won 10 games last year uh, against, you know, not an easy schedule because you have an elite quarterback in Justin Herbert. Their offense was also neutered by play calling by Joe Lombardi that just, you know, refused to use Herbert to his full extent. They brought in Kellen Moore, who, who got kicked out of Dallas for being too aggressive and too pass heavy. So I think this all culminates in a very good team, a Chargers team that should be competitive with the best teams in the AFC. And they're not being priced that way because they were, you know, they underachieved last year. They still covered the win total. And in week 17, they benched Justin Herbert and lost the game they could have won. So they could have had 11 wins last year despite all those injuries. Um, I, I don't think the charges have gotten worse. So so I'm I'm looking to back that on over. Yeah, I, this is a – basically to your point, if they stay healthy, this is a roster that's ready to compete. Now, the Chargers staying healthy is something that's never really happened in the last like decade or so. Uh, but there aren't a lot of holes in the roster. I'm, I'm surprised they didn't address – corner or defensive back a little bit earlier in the draft um they're going to need jc jackson i think to play as he was paid um you know with uh, bryce callahan leaving in free agency uh they had adderley basically retire out of nowhere um, so they they do have some questions there i do think that there are some pending free agents still out there joe johnson uh the third is out, is out there and i think that he'd be a nice addition for them in the, in the secondary they need to stay healthy but as you mentioned like i like the kellen moore uh, upgrade, I think it's pretty massive. Connor, do you have any thoughts on the Chargers? Yeah, that's my biggest takeaway was the coaching different here difference here because it seemed like you, you know Lombardi was really focusing on like shorter passes. Obviously, came from like a you know Sean Payton, Drew Brees kind of uh, offense, and now we're looking at a guy. I mean, you know Herbert is like a hose, man. Like he's got an absolute cannon. There's just some un, like unbelievable arm talent, and so I think unlocking that with Kellen Moore is big, and then obviously the the addition of Quentin Johnson as well, I think will really help open this offense up because you saw, you talked about the injuries of the wide receivers. Like as soon as, you know, Keenan Allen was not there, or Mike Williams went, went down there. Like none of them are really good enough to be like the focal point of the offense. And like, then they have all these just bums running around. Otherwise, you know, are it was basically relying on Herbert to make a play until those guys got open. Whereas like now at this point, you have three good guys. As long as two of them stay healthy, I'm confident that you can find some type of offense that it works. But with two, it's it's way more fragile. So like Quinn Johnson doesn't need to be like the guy or anything from, from week one, but he needs to be able to, you know, stretch the field, catch some screens, make some things happen. Like that's all you need out of him. And I think that they're in a really good spot uh, going forward with that offensively. So yeah, nine and a half feels light to me. And I've, I thought it should be like nine and a half, maybe you know, minus 140 to the over, something like that. If you want to make it a nine and a half, right now we're looking like nine and a half minus 105 to the over. So yeah, I, I definitely lean over here for sure as well. Yeah. I like to play. I think maybe there's some, and the division's tough. Cause again, the, the chiefs are just so good. So you're probably safer on, uh, on backing him this way. Um, but they're probably going to get, you know, a pretty good number there to, to win the division as well. So I uh, like the chargers. Connor, how about you? What's your first look? 
Yeah, my my first look here is going to be on the Titans, actually. So if we look at this Titans team, uh, last year or in free agency, they lost their right guard, Nate Davis, lost Robert Woods to Marcus Walker, David Long Jr., uh, Austin Hooper, Dennis Daly on the offensive line, Taylor Lewan. All of those players uh, played over 60% of their snap except for Hooper and Walker. Uh, just massive holes in the secondary. They're in 28th in EPA per play, 27th in explosive pass rate allowed last year. Uh, and so what did the Titans do in the draft? They added Skronsky 11, which is fine. You know, they needed help on the offensive line. Still, it makes sense. But they didn't add anyone to their secondary uh, until they added, yeah, like, I guess there's no no one throughout the entire draft. They drafted Will Levis. Uh, and then in the second round, they added running back and Tajay Spears, who doesn't even have an ACL. And they have Derrick Henry, who I think they're going to want to lean on. So it's like, when you think about this defense and this offense, their defense front seven is obviously still super strong. Uh, you know, like they're probably going to be a good run defense, but in today's NFL, I just don't really think that that matters all that much. And they're offensively, is their offensive line good enough to rely on, say they're running back with Tannehill, Derrick Henry, kind of like their old offense that we've seen of them, like, you know, just trying to like run, run pass, rely on Henry to carry the load without a good offensive line. And without Derrick Henry still being able to carry that like 400 carry load, essentially it kind of decreases the chances that that's sustainable throughout an entire season. And so with those two factors there and the pass defense potentially putting more pressure on the offense, like they're, they're just in a really tough spot to consistently win games here. So at seven and a half, I still like the win total under, I know we played this before the draft. We're hoping to get some, like if they, they were trying to trade up to three for CJ Stroud in that instance, I mean, that means that they're in a really bad spot, but they're kind of like a soft rebuild right now. And so for me, I think the under is still a good look. I know that their coaching is strong and that they still have a couple of good pieces, but I'm just not very bullish on this team in general right now, even given the weak division. It is the coaching that scares me. Uh, there's just some like Mike Tomlin vibes here with Tennessee. It's like no matter what's going on in the roster in Pittsburgh, they seem to at least get around 500 or so. And Vrabel, I think, is just a, a talent elevator and a difference maker. But you, you can't argue that this is a good roster almost anywhere. I, I think that they actually have a, a decent secondary. They have some nice safeties. Uh, they really basically struggle everywhere else. I guess some defensive line is decent, but yeah, uh, the offense is a, is a problem. Offensive line is going to be gross. Uh, what do you got here, Clark? Anything on the Titans? It's funny you brought up Mike Tomlin because this team reminds me a lot of the 2021 Steelers, the, the last year of Ben Roethlisberger. That team had no offensive line. Uh, you know, Ben Roethlisberger was just kind of a shell back there. They didn't have a ton of weapons, but their defense was really, really good. And this Titans defense is really, really good, in my opinion. If they, if Harold Landry comes back fully healthy with Justin Simmons on that line or Jeffrey Simmons, this is a, you know, this is an elite defensive line potentially with that good secondary that will keep them in games. But what happened in 2021 with the Steelers was there was a period of time where JJ Watt got hurt and a couple other guys and the Steelers were just terrible. So if there if any defensive injuries happen to the Titans, I think this season really just becomes a collapsed season. Uh, but if their defense stays healthy with that excellent coaching and, and strong defense and you know relatively easy schedule considering um, you know where they finished last year, I, I think there's a chance they could be competitive. I just don't understand what this team's going for. So it's it's hard for me to have a definitive read on them. Yeah, I'm with you, Connor. I agree, though. Seven and a half, having to get to eight, I think is uh, is still the, the right play and the right lean for sure. Someone's going to win some games in that division. I, I just don't think it's going to be Tennessee, even though they probably have the best coaching uh, in there. So I think there's still a chance that they trade away some guys, too, eventually, depending on how things are going in the in the preseason. I mean, because they, they did draft. I mean, Tajay Spears in the third round is a little bit rich if you have Derrick Henry. I mean, obviously, I know they need you need depth, but like in the third round, a guy who doesn't even have ACL, I don't know, it just seemed like a strange pick. And then Will Levis again in the second round, like, you, you want to plan ahead, but I don't know. I mean, it seems a little bit early at this point. Like there are so many other holes that they have. So I, I don't know. Yeah. It just seems like they're, they are probably a little bit more volatile than I'm giving them credit for. But like, again, if there's any, anyone goes down there in the front seven, like they're just not really in a good spot. And then to like Clark's point, like Landry. Yeah. They need Landry to come up, but there's not a lot behind Landry. So they really, really do need him to have any sort of pass rush here to support uh, the back end, which is pretty decent again, but you got to have, you got to have a pass rush here. So um, I, I don't mind the Will Levis pick. I think you got to plan for the future, you know, get out of the Tannehill deal. We saw enough from Malik Willis last year to know he's not the answer. You know, take a shot at, at Tannehill. It makes, makes a ton of sense. So again, you just, you don't have anything if you don't have a quarterback and uh, you know, they definitely don't have anything else, even if they don't have a quarterback. So I think it was, it was worth a shot. Uh, I'm going to start with the Seahawks. I think the Seahawks were a popular early ad in terms of uh, win total when they first came out. 
You can still get over eight and a half at uh, BetMGM and minus 120. I like to look at you know the schedule. Like I said, we, we don't have the actual schedule, but we know who these teams play. Um, we know the interdivision matchups. And then I've been trying to really look at the unique three because each team plays three unique opponents. So the NFC West is playing the AFC North and the NFC East this year. Uh, but the Seahawks have a pretty easy unique three comparatively. They have the Panthers. Uh, then they go at Detroit and at Tennessee, who we just picked on. Uh, so really no strong teams in there. I think we're going to think Detroit's going to be better. Uh, we talked about them at the top, adding more talent there. So a road trip to Detroit is, I guess, with a tougher game. But again, at Tennessee and home to Carolina, uh, a pretty easy break in terms of the schedule for the Seahawks. And again, this is a team, as, as Clark mentioned, the top nailed the draft last year. They do not come into the season with a lot of holes. They had a lot of flexibility to do really whatever they wanted in the draft. They took my boy, Devin Witherspoon, uh, next to Tariq Woolen on the side. Like That is a lot of talent in the secondary. I think they have a great group uh, of safeties as well. I didn't really get anything out of uh, Jamal Adams last year, but they added Jordan or uh, Julian Love from the Giants to come over to add depth there. I really like that unit. Their only hole really to me is pass rush. Um, they're going to need something either out of, you know, they got uh, Boye Mafe last year in the draft in the second round. They're going to need him to contribute. They also added the kid Hall out of uh, Auburn. Um, they're going to need some stuff from him this year. It's pretty much the only really weakness I think on this club. So, I think in that division, it's pretty winnable. Uh, you know, I think we talked about what's going on with, with Arizona. They're going to play probably at least half the year without Kyler Murray. Uh, I think that the Rams are closer to being a full tank mode than anything that resembles a playoff team. We already played the under seven and a half there. That is kind of getting juiced out. It hasn't moved, but the juice is kind of getting away from us a little bit. I think there's just a lot of wins on the schedule for a Seahawks team who now Geno Smith was kind of, Jekyll and Hyde, first half, second half last year, but they've done a great job supporting and bringing in Jackson Smith and Jigba along with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. I just, I really like this team, Clark. What are your thoughts on Seattle? Yeah, I really like Seattle too. And, and it looks like they killed the draft again this year. They made some good picks in the in the early rounds. Um, I, I like Geno Smith. I thought he played really well. I think this team is well-rounded. My biggest concern is the rest of the schedule. The, 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 the big three that you mentioned aren't, aren't too tough, but you know, the 49ers in division, Rams, I'm not so sure about. Uh, they match up against, um, I believe, the the NFC East. So that's Eagles. NFC Cowboys, East and AFC North. Yep. And AFC North is just stacked. So it, it is a tough road. They, they're going to have to be really good, I think, to, to eclipse that win total. Um, I actually, I played them to win the NFC earlier in the offseason because I think their upside is pretty high. If they're going to be a really good team, if they're going to make the playoffs, they're going to be good enough to compete in that NFC. Um, so I do, I'm more bullish on the Seahawks, but if one or two things go wrong, their schedule will eat them up. Connor, any thoughts on Seattle? No, I think you guys hit on most of it. Honestly, I guess my only concern is that like Geno Smith is the second half guy that we saw last, uh, last year, you know, because in the first half, like, I mean, he was top three in like EPA and like everything. Like he was like, you know, a borderline, just like miracle of how much he improved. Now in the second half, I mean, I wouldn't say he was like bad. He just wasn't like obviously playing at that level. And so I think that that is a little bit concerned if they get into, you know, more shootout games. I mean, not having a pass rush puts a lot of pressure on your on your secondary there. I mean, Devin Witherspoon, obviously we both really like and they the secondary did play well last year, but it's just almost to an extent, like if you're not continuing, like, consistently generating pressure and if you're not able to stop the run at all like it kind of leads to some issues and maybe puts more stress on your offense and your passing game so that'd be my only concern otherwise i do think that they killed the draft i mean you compare them they had picks five and 20 detroit had six and 18 when they started i mean devin witherspoon and jackson Smith and jigba versus jameer gibbs sam laporta and jack campbell i mean it's like not even close like it's like you know completely different uh trajectories there so Overall, I thought it was good. I think even a half probably lean over for me, but I don't think I'm as quite as excited about them. Yeah, I like the Draymond Jones signing too. He came over from Denver. He was in San Francisco the year before. He led all defensive interior linemen in run-stop win rate. So I think he anchors that defensive line in a way that they just didn't have anyone like that last year. They kind of were able to scrape it together without a pass rush or the ability to stop the run. So um, I like what they've been able to do to address that and, and get a little bit better. So uh, maybe I'm a little bit bullish on on Gino, because I do think he's a key element here, but I like what they've done to build up around him, like adding Charbonnet too to add depth behind Kenneth Walker, who was, you know, 
a lot of big plays, but a lot of inefficiency too. So like they just, they just have added depth. Uh, and I, I kind of like where they're at this year. So, all right, uh, Clark back to you for your second thought. Yeah. So let, let's talk about the Patriots. Um, a couple years ago, people were super excited about the Washington defense after a really strong year. And I was down on them because their defensive metrics were inflated by playing a bunch of backup quarterbacks. So when, when people look back at defensive performance, they typically will do some kind of schedule adjustment that says, well, here's how they perform, but here's how their opponents performed on average, right? But what happens is sometimes teams will just face a bunch of backup quarterbacks or teams in bad offensive situations the very week they play them, which can skew those season-long metrics. So, so take the Patriots this year. Last year, this is a list of quarterbacks they beat last year. Uh, Trubisky, Brissett, Zach Wilson twice, Colt McCoy, Teddy Bridgewater and Skylar Thompson, Sam Ellinger, and then Jared Goff with no DeAndre Swift and Amon Ross St. Brown was concussed early uh, and some offensive linemen were out too. That was that was all their wins. This was their losses. Tua, Lamar, Aaron Rodgers, Justin Fields, Kirk Cousins, Josh Allen, Derek Carr, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen. So basically, they took advantage of a bunch of really bad quarterbacks, and then when they played good quarterbacks, they lost. And that's that can sometimes get people excited because they look at the metrics and be like, man, the Patriots defense was so good last year and all these different metrics, but they weren't that good against good quarterbacks. And then you fast forward to this year's schedule, and this is assuming no injuries, which you never can assume, but you know, you, you get a picture of it. This is the quarterbacks they're facing this year. Josh Allen twice, Tua twice, Aaron Rodgers twice, Mahomes, Herbert, Russell Wilson, Jimmy G, Hertz, Dak, Daniel Jones, Derek Carr, Kenny Pickett, and then whoever's playing quarterback for Washington and Indianapolis. Okay, so that's two easy ones at the end there. But for the most part, they're not getting any layups unless crazy injuries happen. So I think we're going to see some major regression from the Patriots defense, which is going to put more pressure on their offense. And we've seen nothing from Mac Jones recently in the, in the last year to suggest he can go toe to toe with this quality of quarterback, with this caliber of quarterback, especially with the weapons that he's got. Now I recognize that Bill O'Brien is going to bring in a much better offensive scheme than they worked with last year. And, and that needs to be accounted for in the price. But I think at under seven and a half wins getting plus money right now, I think BetMGM you can get plus one Oh five on the under seven and a half. I think the odds are greater than 50%. They fall under the seven and a half. So getting plus money makes it a good bet in my opinion. Connor Patriots, what do you got? I mean, they're the worst team in the division for sure. So sure. Um, and I think you brought up a lot of good points there. Obviously, the I don't necessarily love betting against Bill Belichick just in general. Um, but at this point, you know, like I think you got you made a bunch of great points there, specifically about their defense. <sighs> yeah, I would probably lean under, but I mean, like again, it's plus money. So if, even if it's a 50-50 toss-up, like you're getting plus money. So it's like, Oh, you only have to be right 50% of the time to be, uh, to make money on this. Honestly, I haven't dug in too much into this Patriots team yet in the off season, but uh, I don't know, Noonan, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. Cause I know you're obviously a little bit more uh, opinionated on the, the Patriots. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I mean, like fandom has slowly died over the last handful of years. Just again, is spending more time in the space. And, you know, my favorite team is uh, whoever has, you know, the largest ticket on a Sunday. So it's, you know, less about the the laundry than it used to be. So I think Clark laid out great points. Inarguably, they have the most difficult schedule in the league. When you look at their schedule versus uh, Vegas win totals, it is a, just a gauntlet to get through. I think that again, what they did last year defensively against bad quarterbacks um, and good quarterbacks, probably hard to argue that. I think that there's a lot of talent on this defense. I think that they injected a ton of talent. And I think people that didn't like the Patriots draft were mad that they spent a ton of uh, a capital on adding to that. Um, they've done a great job adding depth of positions, planning for a free agency in the next year or two, um, hoping that you can get some offensive help solely based off of a pretty massive change at coordinator, right? We Last year was a disaster. We knew it. We talked about it. And it was even worse than we thought it was. Um, we know that there's drama with Belichick being upset that Mac went to Bill O'Brien while he was still at Alabama to vent about his, his situation. So Bill O'Brien is back in the fold. We'll have a NFL offense coming out of new England this year. And that's a step up. Now there's still a, a, maybe an overall lack of talent. They're definitely the worst team in the division. It's the worst quarterback in the division. So a path to under seven and a half at plus money totally makes sense. I just will push back on the defense overall 
is going to be really, really good. And there's a lot of talent and playmakers there, and they have depth at all three levels. So, again, they're going to have to run hot because the gauntlet of quarterbacks that Clark listed off is going to be a nightmare. So I think the bet's probably the right way to go. I would lean under just because I do think that they are comfortably the worst team in the division, especially at the quarterback position. And we know that that's king. There's more variance on the defensive side. Yeah, and and not just variance, but defensive metrics tend to be so heavily skewed towards the quality of opponents faced. So the Patriots might have a really good defense, but even a really good defense against that slate of quarterbacks, and again, unless injuries happen, even a really good defense is not going to perform at a high level metrically because quarterbacks, good quarterbacks will beat good defenses in today's NFL. Plus, even even with the scheme adjustment or like the scheme changes offensively, like Devontae Parker, Kendrick Bourne, Juju Smith-Schuster, I mean, that's fine. But like, are you really that excited about that? Like, are you really, I mean, yeah, right. Like, I mean, you can, the offensive line, I think is solid. I wouldn't say that they're like spectacular or anything either. So even if you want to go with like just a, a completely different approach, you know, like they're not going to be spreading out teams without, with that crest of wide receivers. Like what is the offense going to look like? It has to be better. It can't be much worse. And even then I think there's serious questions about Mac Jones. Like I, I think he's much better than what we saw last year. I really do. I think that what we saw at Alabama is, you know, significantly better but obviously maybe he's rattled maybe like he's completely shook like there's a chance that he never recovers from what happened last year because that was embarrassing and bad like it was so bad so i don't know i think there's a lot of questions about this team yeah and then i think it's fair right like Devontae parker juju smith schuster those aren't separators right they're not getting out there and creating a ton of separation and speed it's not really their game um i mean you add like remember, a, oh, connor allen said that he could guard Devontae parker one-on-one <laughs> I, I could yeah. well, line it's me up, son. Line me as, like the least amount of separation in the league, like the last few years. I think actually last year he played relatively well, expe- relative to expectations, but like his prop each week was like 25 yards and he would like get like 20, 20. You would end up with like 15 to 35 every single week. Yeah, it's not a great spot. We're really hoping that six round pick, uh, a, a former first round projected pick, Kayshawn Booty, comes out and contributes in year one. Uh, oh not a great place God. to be. And you need big slot. Mike Gesicki to step up and be your separator. It's not a uh, not a great place to be. So yeah, I I I think it's it's the right way to go. Um, like I said, I cheer for the laundry less than I used to. It's not a bet that I can make. I don't want to be rooting for that to happen. But I think, especially a plus money, Clark. I think you laid out a really good point for it. Uh, Connor, next spot to you, buddy. Oh, you were frozen for a minute. Are you there? Yeah. So my next team. Can you hear me? My my screen's a little bit frozen here. Just yeah, go, go to your it. next team. Give me give me a second here. Give me a second. My Wi-Fi. Go to your next team, dude. Technology. All right, I'm going to talk about the Bucks. Uh, I think the Bucks are. Let's see. MGM's the best spot. Under six and a half at plus one hundred five on Tampa Bay. Uh, FanDuel has minus one fifteen as well, which is a decent price. I can talk about a unique three. So the Bucks play the NFC North and the AFC South. Some wins can be had in there, I suppose. The unique three. Philly at Buffalo at San Francisco. That's really, really tough for a team that is devoid of talent on both sides of the ball. Um, The offensive line is rough. Um, I know that they were trying to prioritize offensive line in the first round we've heard, but the ball, the board didn't fall their way. It's, it's a, it's not great starting unit and there's really no depth behind it. It's going to be rough. Obviously the drop down from, even whatever we saw from Tom Brady last year to a Baker Mayfield, Kyle Trask led team is something that it's really hard to have a lot of optimism in. Um, the secondary is thin. Um, you know, I, I like Carlton Davis. I think Jamal Dean can play behind them. There's really nothing. Same thing. It's at, at safety. They brought over Ryan Neal from Seattle. Uh, Antoine Winfield is back in there. They basically need to stay really, really healthy. And even then I'm not sure that this is a seven-win football team. So uh, I just don't really see it here with the box. The schedule is not breaking their way and doing them any favors either. And I think that they would love to be in a spot where they tank. We could see them late in the season be, you know, kind of hovering, maybe have three or four wins and be in a spot where they're really not motivated to go out and really compete in December, knowing that Drake May and Caleb Williams are on the board if they happen to have the top spot in the draft. So Tampa Bay is a under, especially a six and a half at plus 105 is a play I like quite a bit, Clark. What do you think? 
Yeah, I I think I'm with you by default. I'm not betting it, but I'm I think the angle for the Bucks if you're going over is hey, this division sucks. Like how how can a, a team in a division with Atlanta, Carolina, and New Orleans, you know, be six and six and a half wins? But the thing is, I'm more bullish on some of those teams. The Falcons, I'm definitely bullish on. The Saints, I'm bullish on. Even the Panthers, like I am not optimistic, but having a rookie quarterback just creates a lot of uncertainty. They could be good. So, so if you're bullish on the rest of the teams in the in the NFC South, then I think the under for the Bucks does make sense if that's how you want to play it. Where are you at there, Connor? Yeah, I'm curious, Clark. If you look back on Baker Mayfield, like the last year, you're like, what are what are your thoughts or your takeaways? Because my just like resounding memory was that he's garbage. But like, I want I need another opinion here on on anything. So. Yeah, yeah, I don't think he's garbage. I, I think I've always been a little bit higher on Baker than Market, um, but he needs a good situation. Like he needs to be kept upright. It's it's much better for him when the running game is working. Like think about when he was doing well in Carolina. It was when they had CMC uh, carrying most of the load. Uh, his his best, and then in, in Cleveland too. Like they had a really good run game when he was playing his best football. He he can throw, he can make all the throws, but when it's on him, when the pressure's on him, it's third and seven, and he has to complete that third down. Like he's not the kind of guy that I want to be relying on for that. I don't think the Bucks, with the off, state of the offensive line, has what it takes to produce Baker's upside. Yeah, I think that's kind of the issue here. Is the offensive line specifically is like you're putting a lot of pressure on uh, Mayfield, to like actually make plays there, and obviously, like you know, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin are good weapons but at the same time like if you're not if you're not able to get a running game going if you're not able to i mean do play action because your offensive line can't hold up like there's like so many other issues that are caused by that that you're definitely not going to get the best out of baker mayfield like yeah like and i think we've seen that like the lows have been really low uh and when when he doesn't have those weapons it's been pretty bad so i'm a little bit concerned in this spot for him i like the under as well it was it would have been one of my picks honestly on the show um because i just i mean the defense i think is okay but at this point like there's so many other issues offensively that i don't know i just don't have enough confidence in mayfield to overcome those yeah uh like the defense can be fine but again they have to run just absolutely pure to stay healthy to make sure that they don't have to get into any of the depth same thing with the offensive line which i think is going to be problematic anyway uh they start to get any sort of cluster injury and this is just just downfalls really quick i was just pulling up to uh, because my internet works and I'm able to pull up things live on show now. Um, Baker Mayfield in his time with the Rams, 24th in composite EPA and completion percentage over expectation during his time with the Rams, 24th out of 30. He had a 39.4% success rate with the Rams. So not, not well, great. He, he was and, also working with some some dregs of an offense at that point in the season. Which goes, which goes to, you know, which is my big Mayfield handicap. He's not going to create offense when he doesn't have the weapons. All right, Connor, you seem uh, functional. Uh, back to you with your second thought. Yeah, so my second one is going to be the Cardinals. We touched on it earlier here, but their win total is still at five and a half in some spots. Pretty heavily juiced towards the under four and a half. At, uh, I believe it's DraftKings and FanDuel right now. And they're, that's actually starting to get juiced towards the under here. If we look at this team... I mean, when will Kyler be back? Is it half the season? Is it a quarter of the season? What's the deal with DeAndre Hopkins? Uh, I mean, he says that he's coming back, but like, I don't think players are to be trusted in terms of like, well, what's going on there? Uh, they obviously, they lost Zach Allen, JJ Watt, Byron Murphy. Um, they added some help on the offensive line with Will Hernandez, Kelvin Beecham and drafted Paris Johnson. But like their defense, I think, I mean, their defense might be the worst in the league, honestly. Like, I think it's, it's, it's gotta be close because like if we look at who they drafted, they drafted a linebacker, BJ Ojolari is undersized. Um, it'll probably be a week one starter cornerback and Garrett Williams, who's coming off of a torn ACL probably won't be hundred percent for the season either. Um, and they're currently expected to start Marco Wilson again, at corner graded a hundredth out of 118 corners, had a couple interceptions that, which like actually buoyed his number, his, uh, numbers, but overall allowed 11.2 yards per reception over 500 yards in the season. Just, I really struggle to find a way that this team, if Kyler was going to play like three quarters of the season, I think that the over would be, or the under would be a tough sell just because Kyler, I think can make a difference. But given all these factors here, like if they start, you know, really poorly, like, I mean, they'll probably play Kyler because I guess he's playing for his job at that point, but like, still like, it's not, it's, it's a, there's so such a messy situation here that I'm struggling to find, you know, much interest with this team at all. And like, 
I think the offense could be okay with Kyler and Hopkins and the offensive line probably a little bit better, but like the defense for me just has so many questions here across the board. So like, especially with all they've lost. So that's kind of where I'm at. Like I know Dalton said cards under hammer time. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, but I don't know about hammer specifically, but I, I definitely like the under here, even at four and a half or five and a half. I struggle to find a way that they win too many games. And they're incentivized to be terrible because again, they, they have all that capital for, for next year. Right. And then maybe a, a Kyler conversation, depending on how he plays when he returns at all. Clark, what's your initial instinct on the Cardinals? Uh, yeah. Do we, do we even know who's playing quarterback for them until Kyler comes back? Think Colt McCoy right now, based off of the roster. Yeah, and I I don't have inside information, but I I'm not sure about Colt McCoy. Like, I, I know that he had mentioned some sometime last year that he was considering retiring. So I, I don't know. We'll, we'll we'll see what happens with the quarterback. Um, this team is like you said, incentivized to be bad. <laughs> there's there's nothing there's nothing here to be optimistic about. Um. It all depends on when Kyler Murray comes back for me. You know, if he's if he's planning on coming back and feels like he has something to prove, he's the kind of quarterback that can make something. Unlike Baker Mayfield, he can make something out of nothing. He's that kind of that kind of player. Um, so, so I'm a little hesitant to go under four and a half because that's such a low number with that uncertainty out there. But I do understand that uh, you know their new head coach, he's not expected to win this year. Like they hired him for the future, uh, Gannon, right? So, so Gannon has a little bit of time to work with. And I think with the draft capital they have next year, it makes all the sense in the world to just full on tank. Um, so I understand the under angle is no way I'd go over. You look at their schedule. It looks like they're probably favored uh, maybe twice uh, in any game home to the Rams. Uh, they play, they play at Houston. So that's probably a coin flip. So maybe just home to the Rams is probably their only spot where they're looking like a uh, favorite uh, if, if that, yeah, right. Houston will be favored by when you're going points. through schedules. Yeah, you're going through schedules. You're like, oh yeah, Cardinals. That's a win. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which so they just, you know it never really works out that way. No, but just looking through it, trying to find out more so like where I think lines are going to open. There just doesn't seem to be a lot of spots where you're like, oh yeah, the Cardinals will be Cardinals will be favored there. Like even Atlanta at home. Like I know you're bullish on Atlanta. I think Atlanta's a better football team uh, without a doubt. So. Yeah, I'm I'm there too. Uh, the only hesitancy that I have is I just don't think that I do I want to have I have a Rams under position that I feel strongly about. Like someone's going to win games in this division. Uh someone's going to win those games when they play head to head, not necessarily they could they could tie, which would be very interesting, but uh yeah, that's it's that's the only problem. That's actually the same reason why I have not played a Colts under yet either because uh, I feel pretty good that it lo- it's looking like Richardson might start for 3 quarters of the season and at that point, uh, I mean, I'm interested in an under. Like we, t- he gets comp to Josh Allen, which is, I think is fair in terms of upside. But if we remember, 2018 Josh Allen was ugly. I mean, ugly, ugly. Like it was rough. 2019 Josh Allen was slightly better, but still not very good. Uh, and so, like those were some rough times. Obviously, the ceiling hit. They, you know, added every single piece around him. Added a great offensive coordinator, and it is magical now. But I mean, I'm thinking we're going to see ugly before we see pretty here. So six and a half seems like. Like I would put it at five and a half, to be honest. Like I thought that 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 seems a little bit closer. And if the upside hits in year one, I mean, the Colts are going to be like a perennial Super Bowl contender, like just like forever, uh, if the upside hits. But I, again, I don't, I really don't think that's going to happen in year one. And again, as a noted, you know, uh, Richardson Stan, uh, thirteen starts at Florida. It, you know, that's just not a lot. So I think I've always pushed back on the the project piece. I think he's more raw. I think he just hasn't had a lot of reps and experience. But yeah, I mean, I don't expect year one to be anything that's resembling Josh Allen in the current iteration. I think that that's definitely a flawed way to look at things. I want to, I, I don't know if you watched like a decent amount of Anthony Richardson. It's like every time that I watched him during last year, I felt like there were some awesome plays like athletically, but just like on a consistency basis, he was just like all over the place. And, you know, like there was early on in the season where there was like, oh, this guy's going to go number one for sure. He's a Heisman candidate because they were killing it. And now then like midway through the season, you're like, dude, this guy sucks. Like he is horrible. And so it's like, you just couldn't get that level of consistency. So I'm really interested to see. My take is that he's just not very good right now uh, and that he needs time. But, you know, obviously a lot of people disagree with me on that. And he went, you know, fourth overall. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, while we're here, Clark, I guess you. they asked him to hit home runs. When you look at like, uh, you know, and I have an article up on the site, you know, previewing a little bit of Anthony Richardson. I compared heat maps to Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson. Where like the middle band of the field, five to 10 yards, where some of these layup throws are for some of these guys. Like 
it's bright blue for Anthony Richardson. They avoid like I don't know that they avoided it, but they just they asked to him to push the ball deep down the field and along the boundary. And yeah, when you want to cite a 55% completion percentage, that's totally realistic. That's what happens. But when you look at how he what he was asked to do, it's not really something that I think he's going to be asked to do exclusively at the NFL level, even in year one. So I do think that that's, there's some noise in that. You want to look at you know more of how he was asked to play. So and again, a lot of drops on those highlight reels as well when you're looking at that Florida uh, receiver group. So uh, again, I'm going to pause hesitation on Anthony Richardson year one, uh, but I'm excited to watch the, the growth there and what happens. But Clark, uh, what do you got? Well, I, I wasn't planning on getting into the Anthony Richardson stuff today, but uh, – <laughs> You know, the hype on him is, is in my opinion, unjustified. Um, like you were saying, he has these highlight reel plays that get people super excited. He even has plays where, like, you know, it's not just physical ability. Like, he processes, he sees the way the defensive moves, and he reacts and hits the guy. Like, his his processing highlights are also really good. The problem is his lowlights are far too common and, and far too bad. And And so what I see in his film is, if the defense doesn't react the way that he's anticipating, or he might have like one or two contingencies in his head, if it doesn't go that way, he looks completely lost. And the thing about the NFL is you're as a quarterback, you're not defined by your highlights. You're defined by how many lowlights you avoid. It's so much more valuable to avoid negative plays than it is to create positive plays and not being able to throw to the middle of the field, not being able to read defenses consistently and react on the fly I just don't see him succeeding in the NFL level. Now, he's young. He, he's inexperienced. He, there's a lot of time for him to develop. I get all that. I just think, uh, you know, you swing for the home run. Uh, and if it's a bad swing, then, you know, you strike out. I want to I throw a spectrum here, just like a, like a rookie year spectrum of like what I expect from uh, Anthony Richardson. I think like we're looking at like a rookie year Josh Allen to upside case being like Justin Fields this year. Uh, like I agree with that. Uh, and so like just for this year, so like, you know, not necessarily a great passer, maybe because it's weapons, maybe because of processing, but like a very talented runner that can actually, that can score like to the point where like he can put the team on his back in some sense uh, and like make some games interesting, but that maybe the passing doesn't come together in year one. So that's kind of like the range that I have in my mind for him, uh, at least for year one. And I think we can go from there. We'll see. I mean, maybe it changes mid season. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he proves otherwise, but yeah, I think to your guys point, like, he was a far, far worse passer than Justin Fields was at, you know, given, but obviously there's a lot of other variables of who he was throwing to the offense, you know, all that. So there were a lot of other variables, but still like statistically and watching wise, he was significantly worse than Justin Fields was as a passer in college. Gonna play itself out. Sounds like right away. I agree with it to take the lumps, get the kid on the field. He's not going to learn a ton, ton watching Gardner Minshew on the sideline. Um, so get him out there, get him the reps. That I think is what Clark's talking about is when you watch it, it's just, there's an experience there. And if we need him to be a better processor, he's got to get out there in NFL speed and get a shot to do it. Otherwise you're definitely wasting your time uh, keeping him on the sideline. So I had imagine he starts, I don't know from day one, but I would set probably, you know, if he's healthy, 14 and a half, 15 and a half is the number of starts. Like I, I think he plays. So I think it'd be silly not to. All right. We've all done two. We all have one more Clark over to you for your last one. Uh, Dalton, I'll, I'll book your Richardson MVP, whatever, whatever price you want. Okay. Um, my last one is Bengals. Uh, th this is a, I'm, I'm not as confident in this one as the other two, but I, this is more of a numbers play and just playing the, the range of outcomes and probabilities you can get under 11 and a half. Um, I got minus 115 the other day. Uh, let me see if it's still up. Um, their schedule is, okay. So you can get under, you can get minus 120 on under 11 and a half wins. Um, their schedule is is really really tough. You know their their division. We've talked about it. The Ravens. They've got Lamar now. They've got receivers. They've got an offense coordinator who's going to be willing to pass the ball more. Their defense is really solid. The Browns have a ton of talent all over that roster. If they can just you know put something together. Even last year they they split with the Bengals one and one. The Ravens split with the Bengals one and one. The loss was without Lamar Jackson. The Steelers are on the rise. They had a great draft. I like Kenny Pickett. They've got good weapons. They've got good defense. You know, TJ Watt will come back. He's still 28, 29, so he's still in his prime. This is a really tough division. On top of that, they got to face the Chiefs. They got to face the Bills, the 49ers, the Jaguars. That might be the toughest, you know, out of schedule or out of uh, division schedule of, of anybody. You know, and then Minnesota and Seattle are also a little bit feisty. So things have to go really, really well for them to go 12 and 5 or better. 
Um, and I think, you know, you, this is an anti-fragility bet. This is saying the odds are higher that things don't go perfectly for them than they go perfectly for them. And if they don't go perfectly uh, against that schedule, there's no way they get to 12 wins. You know, uh, Joe Burrow misses a couple games, a couple key players on defense miss a couple games. They lost uh, two full-time starters in the secondary this, this offseason, and they're trying to, you know, accommodate Joe Burrow's increasingly large, you know, uh, cap hit as he, you know, get, gets paid higher and higher. I think the Bengals are an overachieving team uh, that is more likely to regress than to press forward into the tier of team that, say, the Chiefs is. Um, because I don't think Burrow is the type of quarterback that Mahomes and Josh Allen are, and Justin Herbert even, who can just create no matter what. I think he's a little bit dependent on circumstances still. He's the best of all the quarterbacks who are dependent on circumstances. But I think there's too much that can go wrong. Um, and at 11 and a half wins, I, th I think there's a good chance they, they fall short. Um, there's also one tiny edge, which is week 17 is kind of a, a crapshoot because sometimes teams have nothing to play for. And at, at 11 wins, there's a chance there's nothing to play for. This doesn't apply to, say, the Chargers bet because at nine wins, they're almost certainly have something to play for. So you want to kind of think about that. Uh, it's, it's not a big, it shouldn't be a big factor in your decision making, but it can create a small edge when you get there. The four for four Discord rolling over with more Joe Burrow slander uh, from Clark. Though you did actually, you know, you, you kind of backed it up a little bit nicely. He's the he's the best of the next group, essentially, right? The, the best of the uh, not off the cuff guys. So, um, in terms of strength of schedule, looking at you know projected win totals, they're fifteenth, they're middle of the pack. Um, I do agree with their unique three being pretty tough, but again, some of the teams that weren't referenced when you were rattling off their opponents. They play the Texans, the Colts, um, they play the Titans. They also play the NFC West. So the teams that we're talking about fading, like the Rams, uh, the Cardinals, they're also on the schedule there too. We talked about last year, that was Daigle's take, looking at the back end of this, this Bengals schedule and talking about all like the difficult road. And here we are. They went 12-4 and four again because, again, they, they had that one game they didn't play, obviously. But uh, I, I just think that this is a team where, and you know, Dan in the chat mentions T. Higgins rumors that would have happened already. I don't think that that's happening whatsoever. Uh, Taylor Britt, I think they had a really nice draft this year with DJ Turner, Miles Murphy, Jordan Battle. Like those are secondary pieces to kind of fill in ahead of a defense that has lost some bodies. So uh, I'm bullish on the Bengals. I think Joe Burrow is is just kind of got that talent elevator in him. Um, I think there were questions with Joe Mixon and some of that other stuff, but they could plug in a running back. That's just a pass from the offense. So um, you know, I, I don't know if it's a play for me, but I definitely don't want to be on the wrong side of, of a Bengals under, even knowing that the division is improved. So I agree with that point too. Connor, what do you think about Cincinnati? I think it just made me more excited about like a Ravens overs. I think like the biggest like switch there for me was like, okay, well, if the, if like Lamar's not on the Ravens, like the Bengals are going to win like 12, 13 games, like pretty easily, I think. But then with with the Ravens, like what they've done now, you know, whereas like, you know, they're they're adding more talent offensively. They changed. They added they got, you know, a new offensive coordinator. Uh, you know, I don't think that, that was actually necessarily that much of a detriment. I think it was more so like offensive line, not having weapons, uh, you know, just like kind of injuries generally. Uh, like I think when healthy now and you add in the offensive coordinator piece, like I think it's super exciting and that this team will very much compete to win the division. I think I don't know, Clark, did you play that or you were talking about playing it? That interests me is like Ravens to win the division or maybe even over looks like there's an eight and a half at MGM still somehow that's like juiced up uh, nine and a half in other places. I think that they they're like a, a double digit win team here pretty easily because just all the pieces like offensively, like I expect them to be a, an elite offensive team this year. Yeah, um, I, I agree. The the Ravens on the division is interesting at plus 300. Um, I think that's the price you can get right now. Um I think either or, like the the Ravens and Bengals should be closer together. Last year before the season, for for reference, you know the Bengals were at nine and a half wins. I think the Ravens were too. Maybe, maybe the Ravens were at ten. And so now they've completely shifted, like massively. And I'm not sure that we saw anything to think that the Bengals are levels higher than the Ravens last year uh, when you account for injuries and things like that. I think the Ravens are interesting. They were eight and a half, you know, while the Lamar news was kind of, you know, percolating. Um, and so it wasn't surprising. I even, you know, wrote about that, that I thought that this would move to nine and a half pretty quickly after Lamar was, was re-signed. The sneaky thing here is the Ravens defense is not very good. Secondary is not very good. Uh, it's Marlon Humphrey and a bunch of dudes. Uh, they don't have great edge rushers, which is not something that we usually say with the Ravens. 
you know, I think that they're a, like, I think they're a bottom 10 defense. And I think that the, I think the Bengals are a top 10 defense, even with the, the bodies that they lost. And I think, again, we can get into some of the metrics being less sticky and less predictable for sure. Uh, but again, if, if you're going to tell me that it's just Lamar versus Burrow too, I'm also leaning Burrow, like a new coordinator kind of bringing some of those things in. Like I like the Ravens to be competitive, but I think that their defense is also very, very, very thin. And if they, again, run into any sort of these cluster injuries, it's a problem. It's going to be, especially in the secondary in that division, which we think is getting better, is going to be a problem for Baltimore. So that would be my only pushback on any pro Raven stuff talking about additions offensively and all these different things. Lamar staying healthy. Defense isn't great. You don't like Rocky sin. I don't like Rocky sin. The three teams that have had him have not like Rocky sin. That's why he keeps moving around. Yeah. I like Rocky sin. I think he's all right. Yeah. Um, I think he's fine. Like, I mean, I don't like him. I guess the like is a lot of a strong word. I think he's like, he's a, a legitimate addition to a team that needed help there. Um, but I don't know. I guess I'm just like, I'm really excited about this team's offense. Maybe there's better ways to play it. Uh, Dalton mentioned to make the playoffs is minus 120. Uh, anything in the AFC, I'm just actually avoiding to, to make the playoffs bets. I think it was, I tweet out the win totals the other day in my uh, mile-long tweet that you guys were making fun of. Um, it was, I think it was like nine teams have a win total of nine and a half or higher in the AFC or something like that. So obviously only seven teams make the playoffs. It's just going to be really competitive. Like, so I would almost rather bet to win the division or over win total than uh, to to make the playoffs because you just know you're not getting that like a team's probably not going to make the playoffs winning nine games. You know what I mean? You're not going to get that little edge. Whereas the NFC, I think you're almost the device like the opposite. Like you're if you want to take a team that you're not sure they win the division, but like expect to be better than possible. Like maybe it's to make the playoffs bet instead uh, because like there's going to be like one or two teams that randomly sneak in even if there's they don't have like an awesome record. It's a good call. Yeah, the AFC is just a, just an absolute mammoth. Um, and that's, I think, a good transition to my last one is I think that the, the Eagles are the bell of the ball uh, in the NFC still. Ten and a half is still out there. It's a little juicy at minus 140 on FanDuel. But, um, again, you're kind of looking at their unique three. Oh, again, they play the NFC West, which we've already talked about that being a problem. AFC East is tough because those are four competitive teams. Um, and then their unique three, Minnesota at Kansas City is tough. And then at Tampa Bay is the last one. And then you kind of look at the schedule. I mean, they're probably, uh, you know, they're dogs on the road in Kansas City. And they host Buffalo. I, I think maybe, um, you know, obviously maybe the road game in Dallas. Like that's maybe where, uh, that's maybe two or three team times where they're, they're dogs this season. And again, like the rich get richer. They had a fantastic draft. I know that they've lost a lot on the defensive side. They did a great job. I think replacing it. I think they did a good job last year drafting ahead. Like Jordan Davis played like 6% of the snaps last year. He barely played. He's going to plug in. They're going to ask a lot of him. You add Jalen Carter to that mix too. Um, again, they lost some edge rushers, but they added there with Nolan Smith, Hassan Reddick, Josh Sweat, Brandon Graham. They're all back. The secondary Bradbury and Slate came back. They were able to add, you know, Greedy Williams. They have, you know, Keely Ringo. The sec you know, the safeties are a little bit dicey, but they have depth there in case um, something happens. Again, the best offensive line in football. Jalen Hurts has continued to get better, uh, you know, adding Swift and Penny. Like, I think that's a better backfield than they had even last year. Again, Gainwell and Scott are still going to mix in. It's a loaded team. Ten and a half wins is it's just not enough in a really weak NFC considering who they're going to play a bunch. So uh, Eagles 10 and a half still. I'm willing to lay the minus 140. Connor, what are your thoughts? I like it. I mean, they were a team that I was just like going through their offseason transactions and I'm like, all right, well, we were, they're expected to lose a lot in the secondary and they just didn't, we were expected to like, you know, undergo a lot of changes just because of the cap space and everything that they were going through. And they just, they didn't, you know, it was like one of those things where I'm like, looking at this and I'm like, okay, well, they retained a lot of guys from last year. Now that being said, last year, we knew coming into the year, they had one of the easiest schedules by far. We knew that they were going to be able to pick on other teams as well. Um, I think that I made a compelling point that their defense was overrated regardless, uh, and that that kind of played out in the Super Bowl pretty well. Uh, now against a little bit harder schedule, you know, like, again, I think against, you know, normal or bad opponents, they're going to still probably be dominant. Um, but, like, against any good opponents they played, they were not very good uh, for the most part. So that's my only concern about laying the juice on the over. I still lean over. I still think that they're – a significantly better team. And I'd also think there's another way that the, that Jalen hurts and the Eagles offense takes another step forward. Uh, if he like continues to become a better passer. Uh, and I know that's been one of Clark's biggest gripes about uh, him in general is that he hasn't been able to like, like when things get ugly in the running game, like, can they really just pass their way out of like trouble? Um, 
I think that they can, uh, but it's just not something that he's necessarily proven uh, in full, I think, at this point. Yeah, 16th in terms of strength of schedule based off of projected win totals right now. So it's harder than last year, but still middle of the pack. Uh, Clark, where are you at on Philly? Um, yeah, the, they're another team where the defensive metrics were overrated last year by virtue of playing bad quarterbacks and bad teams. Um, they also were playing in so many advantage situations. Like, for example, they had so many sacks. When you're constantly playing from from ahead with a lead against bad quarterbacks, you're going to convert those into sacks. That wasn't necessarily a reflection of like really solid, consistent pressure the way it is for some teams. So I do think some defensive regression is likely, especially with some of the pieces they lost. They did, you know, pick up some new pieces too to replace them. Um, the other concern is they lost both offensive and de- defensive coordinators. So they'll, they'll, you know, they, they still have the same head coach. So they'll, they'll have some um, consistency there. But, you know, you never really know how things change when you're, you're making that big of a change on both sides of the ball. The last piece is their offensive line. They were really bad when their offensive line got hurt two years ago. And they're a team that relies on winning the offensive line battle. Last year, the, the pockets that Hertz was working out of were ridiculous. The consistency of the run game was ridiculous. If, if one or two of those guys gets hurt, I think the entire team takes on a completely different persona. Um, and, and I think that's a, a pretty easy way for, you know, when you're, when you're laying minus 140, um, that, that's a pretty significant risk that you're taking on. Yeah, I don't even mind the depth at the line. I think they did a good job planning ahead. Like Daniel Tyler Steen is a kid I think is going to project to be a tackle in this league, and he can play guard. He played guard at Alabama a little bit too. He can slide in if there's basically anywhere other than center if there are injuries on the line. So, and again, like Marcus Mariota is not an exciting backup, but like he makes sense, right? In terms like if Jalen Carter or you know Jalen Hurts goes down, like Mariota slides in and runs that system probably like very similarly and I don't want to disparage you know Hertz as a passer but like what he does well they they fit uh you know and I think that's a smart way for teams to you know to build similar like having Huntley in there and in Baltimore things like that having some sort of cohesion in terms of what the offense is going to look like if your quarterback goes down I think is a good way to build a roster also now that we're past draft the draft as well we can talk about that Jalen Carter is probably uh an awesome addition for them and that him and Jordan Davis are going to be big time Big time in the middle for the, for this Eagles defense that was getting, you know, shredded on the ground for a couple of weeks before they made some additions. And now at this point, I think we'll look really good uh, in the interior. Yeah, you, you make a good contrast to the Bengals on that. If Jalen Hurts gets hurt for a few games, it doesn't derail their season because their offensive structure is so good. Their playmakers are so good and, and their offensive line is so good that Marcus Mariota can succeed. If Burrow gets hurt for a few games... The Bengals are toast, <laughs> you know, like I, I don't know that they can piece it together in the same way. Yeah, uh, that, that makes sense. That's probably how most teams go. Um, so that's, you know, that's definitely tricky. We saw that. I mean, they, they had free fall a couple of years ago. I don't know what uh, Jake Browning. I'm not expecting a lot out of Jake Browning this year. So uh, looks like slated to be the Bengals backup quarterback. So good stuff. This is why I like having Clark on here. We get some different viewpoints and I, I love, uh, I love his, his work. So you can check out all that over on four for four, uh, continue to ramp that up as the season comes along. Good stuff as always. Uh, Connor, what's going on with you? What are you working on? You're just going to skip my, my Jags bet here at the end. It was oh, a quick one. Any- I thought it was you a were quick done. one anyways. I'm but... sorry. I thought we finished with me because we ha- forget. Hashtag our Jags, baby. Yeah. You, no, see, you went know, on you... board. We're not even talking about a win total. You want to, we're going to do divisions at some point, but you couldn't get let, a third Let someone else talk about the Jags. This is great. Yeah. I mean, I was just excited about, I mean, everyone else in the division sucks. Like, I don't know. I mean, it's like, you're looking at this team. I don't think that they got necessarily like dramatically better, but I think the addition of Calvin Ridley is massive. I mean, Trevor Lawrence looked really good at times with like guys who we all knew were very average. Like, you know, Evan Ingram, Cal- you know, uh, the rest of the receiving core is just not, they're fine, you know, but they're nothing like to write home about. Whereas Calvin Ridley, I think can be like a legit guy in the NFL here coming back from obviously some mental health issues, some gambling issues. Um, I think he's going to be a massive addition for them. They added Tank Bigsby in the backfield to kind of take on some of the load in between the tackles as well uh, to kind of like keep ETN fresh. Uh, in the division, I mean, the main point is just the division sucks. Like even if you took away some of the other positives about the Jags, like Trevor Lawrence is still significantly better than anyone else in their division. The receiving core, like even if you just gave him like a good passing game, the rest of the team sucks. I think they still win the division. Like there's enough there that like, the Jags are still like leagues ahead of everyone else just with their passing game. Even if the defense sucks, even if the offensive line is just okay, you know, like it's like all those things still go against that. So I like, I think that they are better than what I'm giving them credit for on the other things. You know, I'm just saying like worst case scenario on those, I'm very confident that Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars passing offense can be, keep them afloat to win this division. Looking at like minus 150, 
minus one forty still points bet, but I mean, if you can get down more than five dollars there, you know, like go for it. But uh, anything else, I think minus one fifty is a great look here. I'm willing to lay it at this point. Yeah, I think it's a great bet for sure. Uh, I thought I was last, so that's why I didn't want to skip your Jags bet. But yeah, <laughs> no, you're good. I, yeah, the division's so bad. Clark, what do you think about Jacksonville? Yeah, I mean, almost certainly that like. Assuming nothing crazy happens, there's no reason the Jags aren't going to win that division. They're, 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 the gap between them and the rest of the division is, is bigger than any other division in the NFL, in my opinion. Um, they're just a competent, realistic contender. And the other three teams all just drafted a quarterback <laughs> because they're basically rebuilding. So, I mean, it doesn't get more simple than that. I haven't bet it because, you know, it's a lot of juice to lay this early in the offseason. But, um, but, yeah, strictly speaking, it's probably plus EV, you know, depending on how much you value the, the time value of money. Yeah, I think it'll close probably in the 200s. That, that'd be my guess. I would guess it would close like around minus 200. Yeah, especially if Anthony Richardson is starting. I, I, you know, a little bit concerned that Gardner Minshew's, you know, might be able to carry the Colts. You, you can make a case for all three of the other teams, but they're all they're all long shot cases. So there, there's, there's three three times whatever the low probability is that one of them manages to to challenge the Jags, or the small percentage chance that something happens to Trevor Lawrence or or some other significant thing like that for the Jags. Yeah, because you have like some of these teams that we see make the leap that are like at six and a half win totals. We saw the Jags do it. We saw the Bengals do it with Burrow, with Lawrence. But that's kind of the common theme is like they have that guy who's already played a year, but he has that upside. Like they were already regarded as great prospects and they're coming in and like then they make that leap. You like as rookies for the Colts, the, you know, the Titans potentially with Levis, with, uh, you know, Stroud and the Texans, like for them to make that leap in year one seems like a stretch. Yeah, in those circumstances for sure. Yep. Could call up the, you know, they got the answer quarterback. And as Clark points out, the rest of the teams are looking for that answer. And uh, it's a tricky road, a tricky road for sure. You swing and miss and uh, start back at the bottom. So, all right, gentlemen, uh, Connor, now you can tell the folks what are you, uh, what are you working on? What can people look for in the offseason coming from you? Yeah, I've, I've currently angered Falcons Twitter uh, before the show. And if you want to go check out my tweet, uh, Arthur Smith was uh, be berating Peter Skaronsky during their pre draft meetings saying that he was really boring him or something like that. So if, if you want to continue to add fuel to the fire there, uh, help my engagement farming, appreciate that. Otherwise, writing some rookie profiles, writing some odds pieces, uh, probably firing off some bets in our Discord. Clark, what's going on with you, buddy? Yeah, just, just working on my off-season process. I, I spent the last couple months focused on things, basically everything I learned from the last two years, like where were there holes in my system? You know, what can I improve? What can I tweak? There was some significant changes that I made as a result. I think one of the things that people miss on the betting front is that like, if your process is not constantly evolving, then you're falling behind. And so every year I try to improve my process. I'm not, I'm not trying to implement a static approach every year. I'm trying to, to, you know, fine tune it. So that's what I've been in the last couple of months. And um, now I'm back testing some of the things that I've been trying out and uh, it's it's looking really promising, so I'm really excited to get into the week to week of the NFL season this year. Love it! All the plays in our subscriber Discord. Reminder again: five bucks, Vivid Picks. Download the app. Use promo code four for four bet, uh, and you can get a three month subscription. Basically, it'll take you through all the summer. Get everything on the site for just five dollars for three months. If you want to get the whole season, take you through the end of the you know the end of February, so the whole NFL football season through the Super Bowl. Uh, 444.com slash plans and get the betting sub. Love it. Uh, we will be back next week. Uh, continue to talk about things going on in the offseason. So for Clark and Connor, I'm Ryan. We'll see you next time. Thanks, everyone.